Welcome to Real Estate Agent Superstars. My name is RJ Baxter with Intercap Lending. I am your host, and we have got a superstar agent with us today. We have Randy Dillo with Relux Real Estate. So I have Randy on today because Randy is truly a superstar in the business because of how fast he started. He's only been in the business a little bit less than a year and a half and did 13 million in transactions in his first year. So we're going to talk to Randy today about how he did it, how he came out of the gate so fast, what his story is. So welcome to the show, Randy. Really happy hey, to have you here. Appreciate it. And just to correct, we're Relux Residential, not Relux Real Estate. Just ah, wanted to put okay. that out there. <laughs> Relux Residential. Close, close enough. Relux Residential. My bad. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> All right. So, um, well, tell us a little bit about your story. How, how did you, sure. what did you do before real estate? Yeah, um, well, I won't go back too far, but uh, I, I was in the military for quite a few years, served in the United States Air Force, um, okay. then a variety of careers, including uh, up to owning health clubs here in Denver, Colorado. <clears throat> a bunch of my business partners and, and myself kind of made a transition from 24-hour um, fitness into our own venture uh, that had lasted for quite a few years here. And then you know, when that kind of started to break up and we decided to go separate ways, uh, a bunch of folks went into real estate. I actually didn't follow that. Uh, that was about six years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Decided to kind of go a different path. Sales has always just been kind of a way for me to, to always make good money. So I went into uh, actually credit repair for the mortgage industry. Um, I ran the East Coast for a company here in Denver, traveled all the time, uh, all out to the East Coast. About 55, 60% of my life was travel on the road. And it, it just wasn't sustainable for me anymore. Um, mm -hmm. Decided, you know, I should probably start pursuing real estate with everybody that had left the gym world. Um, and right at the time I was kind of thinking about this and finishing up my license, my uh, best friend and business partner started Relux Residential, <clears throat> broke off from another large brokerage and, and started this small team with his wife. And uh, I, I came over and really hit the ground running from day one. I think a, a big piece of that was just having a lot of sales experience helped, but also mm -hmm. learning from somebody that had done, you know, a lot of transactions over time and kind of mastered his craft um, and, and being, you know, formable and teachable was, was something that I needed to learn quickly. Um, but that's really how I, I kind of got into real estate. That was in September of 2021 um, that I made the full-time jump quit my job and and went into re real estate full-time. Okay. And we met on, we did a transaction together. I think it was, was it the first one? <laughs> it was my first solo transaction and it was probably the worst transaction still of my career. Yeah. Not because <laughs> of you, because of the client. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely an interesting one. Um, <laughs> it was tough. I saw, but I, I recognized something in you right away that you were different, that you were, you had what it takes to succeed in real estate. And what kinds of skills would you say were transferable from your previous sales career that applied to real yeah. estate that helped you get off the ground running? Sure. I, I think one of the biggest ones was being comfortable on the phone. Um, you know, when I was in that mortgage industry kind of credit repair, and, and you can appreciate this being a lender, um, I was cold calling brokers I, all day. So when I had a week home, it was cold calling brokers and just trying to convince them that, hey, I want to come out, meet with you and your team, kind of go over what I can do to help your business. It's free of charge to the broker, but of course, my ultimate goal was for you, you know, people like yourself to send me clients uh, to work on their credit in order to buy a home. Um, and so getting really comfortable with, with cold calling, um, though I haven't done a lot of that in real estate, I haven't had to do cold calling as much, um, but at least being so comfortable on the phone, I think is what made the transition a lot easier. 
Um, second yeah. part of that though, is just, you know, understanding people, the number one rule of sales, people buy from people they like. So just giving the right amount of, of insight and education, but also being likable enough on the phone that, that they're willing to, to take you on and meet with you. Um, I think those were the two biggest takeaways from prior careers to this. Mm -hmm. So how do you, you know, I mean, you're a likable guy. How do you um, become likable? I guess. <laughs> I <laughs> think like how, uh, how would you, what kinds of things would you recommend for um, connecting better with people? Sure. I think I look at it and I think how a lot of my brokerage and, and other people that came from that gym world look at it very similarly. And I think this is what kind of set us apart. Um, a lot of us were personal trainers uh, in the start of those early careers in the gym world. And it was very client focused, but it was about, about really truly helping the person, right? You're getting to know that person. You're getting to care about that person and, and go towards those goals, which at that time was weight loss, strength gain, whatever it might've been, mobility, being able to move better. And, and I had a client a very long time ago that was extremely obese and, and his dream was to buy this truck. He, he wanted this truck so bad, but he was too large to be able to fit into the truck, not, not for the size of the truck, but to get in and out of a truck like that, he mm. physically couldn't do it. And, and so to take someone from that point to that dream was, was really rewarding for me as a trainer. Um, and, and I use those same skills because this is the biggest dream, right? Home ownership is, is the biggest dream. And when you really relate it back to that and understanding it's not a transaction, it's a relationship and, and you're helping these people change their, probably their futures, including their kids. Like this real estate changes a lot of things for people and really understanding and connecting on that level, I think is what separates some realtors from others. That's so key. I mean, you said getting to know who the client is and really knowing what they, what's important to them. I mean, right. that's so key. And, and it starts on the first phone call. You know, a lot of what we do when we take phone calls, I say we, cause I, I do the same things that my, my best friend does, but it, it, it's about the why, you know, it's not what size house, what area, what budget it's, it's the why, because then when it gets tough and you're out there showing homes and things haven't worked out, I mean, when the market was crazy and, and maybe you're getting outbid or maybe you're not winning every deal, you can always go back to that why. And I think if you understand that and really get to know that person, you can always bring them back to why we're doing this and why it's worth it, even though it seems like a struggle or seems hard. Yeah. Yeah. Make it about them, not about you. Right. I think so many, 100%. I think so many salespeople in, in real estate mortgage or whatever, they go into the first meeting or go into a meeting and they talk about themselves so much that, right. You know, I, I always think 80% of the conversation needs to be about the client and then hundred percent, just a little bit about me. And uh, right. Make sure you're focusing on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's, that's really key. Um, the other thing is, and that's part of the being likable. If you let people speak about their why and speak about themselves, you, you intrinsically are going to become more likable because you're not just talking about how great you are. Um, you know, I don't go out and tell people why well, I've done X number of transactions and I'm the guy, you don't have to do that because if you get no. to the why and you really understand them at a personal level, they're going to like you. It's an easy right. conversation and transition when it's like, oh, hey, by the way, I need you to sign this exclusive. It's it's an afterthought instead of I need you to sign this to lock you into something. I, I don't do that at all. I mean, we'll, we'll bring it up maybe on the first offer. I might show somebody 20 homes without an exclusive, but I've never worried that they're going to use me. Um, so it's just because yeah. we have such a good relationship already. 
we'll, we'll sign an exclusive when we put in your first offer possibly. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think that's, that's so, um, so, so critical. So, and it, it's easy to see how you connect. I mean, I, I could see that right away in you. Um, Appreciate that. So do you, do you, do you go into a conversation with a plan or do you just kind of get to know the person and kind of um, explore and, and, and stay right. curious about, about their situation? hundred uh, percent. The biggest thing on a first call, because I mean, while I say I don't cold call, I do get transferred leads or cold leads that are coming to me through various, you know, lead purchases or, or other avenues. Um, these aren't referrals. Referrals are different. That's, that's a, I've already have the basis of this relationship because your best friend used me and told you I'm, I'm good. So those are different calls, but those true like first calls, it, it's, it's about the person and the why more than it is about the house and everything else first. Once we've kind of established the what we're looking for, and again, let me just preface this. This doesn't work on everything. Some people just call and say, I want to look at the house. And then it's, we, we use the analogy when, when we used to tour our health clubs and I taught all my salespeople this, it's the same thing that my business partner taught to. If, if somebody comes into your gym and they're carrying a basketball under their arm, our, our policy at, at, you know, at big, big box gym is like, you got to tour them the facility and show them all the stuff and, and do that salesy thing. But that guy just wants to see the basketball court. Right. And so I'm not going to take the guy to the spin room when he's carrying a basketball. I'm going to, I'm going to show him the court, right. I'm going to take him right to the court. And, and in that walk, I'm going to build some rapport as best I can, but make it so he's a stop by on the way out to chat with me. And, and that is still relationship building. And when it comes to the real estate side of things, you're going to have people that just, you, they, they want to see the house. So you don't have right. to get into everything on that call. If they're adamant, I love this house. I want to go see it. Then just set the appointment, go see the house. Build that rapport while yeah. you're on your showing or while you're on a phone call with them on the way down there. You can do all those things if the person just really wants to see the house. So I, I think that's a, a big takeaway for relationship building is you can't do it with everybody on the phone on the first call. But if you can, it makes it a lot easier and a lot better for you. If you have that client that just wants to see the basketball court, take them to the basketball court. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Read your audience. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So take it, take me through the first month that you're in the business. What did you do? What are the activities that you focused on to start off with? Cause there could be people listening right now that are <laughs> sure. starting out themselves and they're wondering, man, how did this guy get out the gate so fast? Yeah. It seems like so long ago. That's just funny to me when I think about it, but the first couple yeah. transactions I co-brokered. So I was kind of given some, some lower price clients from my partner I did all the showings, I did all the work, but that was kind of how I got that start of at least understanding what I was doing for just a small you know, piece of the pie. Um, my first true client was, was the one we worked on. Um, that was my, I had a listing before that, that was a friend, but my first true like cold call client was uh, our, our good friend, AB. I won't get into names, but uh, yeah. I, I think you know where we really started with all of that is I had a relationship uh, with with a lead source that was sending us cold leads, people that had mm -hmm. you know called in or requested information on a specific house or or possibly a price range, and getting him on the phone, he actually had another uh, agent that he had never signed anything with that had been showing him homes, but based on the fact that a I answered the phone all the time when he called. And B, I built that relationship with him. He easily converted over to me. And then we started that process of looking at homes. But the flow for me was more getting set up on um, some of the lead purchases and lead buys out there like an op city 
which we don't pay for, we, we kick back some commission to. Um, and really getting my feet wet and building up that piece was, was really the beginning of all of my focus was cold leads, getting that rapport built and, and just getting out there and showing homes. And this was in the middle of the crazy, right? Where we were out there with yeah. 35 offers. And, and back then it was about urgency, right? It was, I understand you, you want to see this house. I don't need to spend so much time just building rapport. We need to go see the house because if we're not in there by Friday morning, it's probably gone and has 32 offers on it. So there's a lot more urgency mm -hmm. behind everything back then um, that the relationship building had to happen in person versus now where there's a lot less urgency for the most part. And it's now about more of that phone call, that upfront work and that upfront time spent with that client. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that, this shift in the market that we've seen. How have sure. you managed to stay busy and continue to keep the momentum going? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's slowed. I think what's nice about it for me, it, you know, in particular is I had some buyers that were in that kind of pipeline or, or circular motion that we're going through of the flow that mm -hmm. just couldn't buy. I mean, I, there was a couple that I just knew no matter what we did, there was no possible way they were going to win a house because they didn't have the funds. They didn't have the extra funds and, and things didn't sit. I don't care if it was moving ready or not moving ready. Things were flying off the shelf. And so I had clients that had lost on six, seven, eight houses, and I kind of knew they were going to, but of course, we're going to try to keep things going and, and maybe a strike gold. Um, but what's shifted now is you can find a deal in Colorado and you haven't been able to find a deal in Colorado in years. And so now my focus has shifted a lot to those buyers that I, I understand that the interest rate might be a little bit high, but historically it's not. And having those conversations about understanding Right now, the, the, the best analogy I give them is we date the rate, we marry the house. Yeah. You couldn't do that before. You, you married the rate because it was 2.4%, but you, know, you might not buy a house. Now you can find the house you love. If, we, you know, if you can afford that house with this mortgage rate like it is now, don't wait. Let's go find the house because if things shift right back by a couple point drop, we're right back to that crazy in this market and you're probably not going to find a home. Um, so that's really Absolutely. the focus has shifted more to the buy side um, and more to education on those buyers that are scared by rate, um, you know, having the conversation. My first house that I bought in the late 90s was, I think it was 6.9%. That's just what rates were. And, and now people are so concerned about it, but historically we're not in a bad spot, right? If you can afford it, might be less house than you used to be able to afford. I get that, but you get the house and that's a lot better than throwing your rent away. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you, how are you um, talking to people that are still hung up on the rate and want to wait until rates come down? And how, well, how's that conversation going? I, I really haven't run into it much. I think I explain it well enough that it, again, if you can't afford, you can't afford. So I can't convince someone that, Hey, you used to be looking at $600,000 houses and now you have to do 450. If that's not what they want, there's probably not a lot of convincing, but if it's a, a sure. conversation we're going to have about stretch, like, listen, this isn't your forever mortgage, but it's your forever home. So if we can stretch things for a year or two, are you comfortable with that, even though you don't love it, in order to actually get the house, though, that you couldn't get before? And, and those are those conversations. So I haven't really struggled with too many people that just say, oh, I'm not looking. I, I just haven't run into it. Um, I'm sure they're just not looking enough that they don't even pick up the phone to look at properties on Zillow's or whatever else. But those right. that are looking now, it's a really fun conversation for buyers to be able to have that 
and explain to them that it's the best time they've seen in years to actually be able to do their, you know, to, to have their dream. I agree. And then with sellers doing things like paying for buy downs and yeah. uh, willing to negotiate, you know, having inspections on homes and appraisals. Like we yeah, I mean, prime example, I had a closing on a Wednesday. Um, you know, we'd looked at 25 houses. She was very well qualified, not too worried about rates. So we never got into most of those discussions. However, what was amazing and what was so nice for her is even though we went, looked at 25 houses plus, the one that we decided and landed on originally was listing at 697. They had dropped the price down to 665, which was probably more realistic of where it should have been based on the market. So they kind of messed up there. Um, but they had no bites. They had no offers. We ended up winning that house for a little back and forth, but we ended up winning at 637 um, on a house that was easily worth $700,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it appraisal wavered. They didn't even do an appraisal because everybody knew the house was worth way more. And she got a phenomenal deal because she's still out there and she was still looking. And so those are the stories yes. that I'd like to tell my buyers right now is if you can stretch and you can make this work, you're going to get homes that are going to be putting you in a much better spot than you would have been eight months ago, where yeah. you were paying 15% over list price. Now we can get in at or below pretty easily. Yeah, which is, and the difference between paying that higher price versus a little bit more interest on your mortgage over the course of a year is not right. It's a huge difference. So yeah. And again, date the rate. You can refinance this loan. Wait till things settle. Wait till things change. You date the rate, you marry the house. I love that phrase. Yeah. And that, you know, and that story you just told that speaks to the power of stories and using stories from your experiences in the business to help people see this stuff. And, and, um, you know, and, and really, um, you know, there's there's a term that I like to use. It's not this isn't really future casting, but I like to talk about future casting and helping people to envision being in the house and um, right what it could do for them and that kind of thing. And you can do that through stories. Yeah, and I think a lot of that uh, you know goes to showing technique. It's it's uh it's hard for certain people to envision things, and so when you kind of get to know those people, especially for doing a few showings where I've got to know the size of their couch or or that client, a good example. She wanted a percussion room. She plays drums. And so she wanted a spot somewhere in this house where she could like set up a kind of not soundproof, but you know, sound dampened room or sound dampened basement. And I mean, we always had that. So when you go to those showings and you start painting the picture of where things can go, well, I know you have this type of sectional and here's how I would lay it out with my TV. You know, what do you think of that? And you help them envision themselves in the house a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard when they're especially unstaged homes, um, it, it's hard to have some people see themselves in it unless you're there to help kind of paint that picture and guide them of that percussion room. This is a perfect spot. This makes so much sense because you could put some sound dampening right here and, and, you, and you really help paint that picture during the showing. Yeah, that's future casting at its best. Yeah. Like just helping people to picture themselves in the house and how it's, it, it's um, playing to the emotional side of buying a home instead of the intellectual. Sure. Really. They, they can feel it and they envision themselves in the house and then they want to be in the house. Right. And, and it, it helps, uh, you know, I'm native. Um, we probably didn't, I just I didn't discuss that, but having lived in Colorado my whole life for the most part, minus some military time, obviously um, it helps that I know the areas I, I know the neighborhood. So what I would say to people that don't have that benefit, do your research, you know, learn the neighborhoods, not just, not just the, where you want to be, but the, where people are looking. So if, if you're planning on showing homes in, you know, uh, Green Mountain in, in Lakewood, like this home was, 
think go go kind of learn Green Mountain, you know, learn what's around there, learn how close the, the nearest grocery store is so you can explain that. Hey, the other best part of living in this home is the King Supers is, is literally a mile and a half down the road. You could ride your bike to King Supers and, and help paint the neighborhood picture too, not just open the door, turn the key, let them walk around and, and then hope they say yeah, they, they love the house. Help them see themselves in the neighborhood and the community too. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the future holding for Randy? What do you, what's your plans for, <laughs> what, what are your, uh, what's your goals for, let's talk about your goals for 2023. What are you looking to accomplish? Yeah, well, I mean, I set a goal uh, last year. That, so the first full year in the business of 10 million um, was kind of my revenue goal. Um, this year, uh -huh. since I blew that out of the water, I, I set a revenue goal of 15 million. So that's on the, on the business side of things. I think and, and hope I'll, I'll shatter that as well. I, I may have set that a little low on purpose. Um, but really the, the biggest excitement I have is I, I started my own office. Um, so still under Relux umbrella, but I have my own uh, 800 square foot walk-in real estate office that I happen to also live in. Um, so I live up in the Bradburn neighborhood in a work live. I have an office open to the public. So I'm excited to uh, kind of be the go-to in this whole Bradburn neighborhood of of trying to set up events like paint and sips and, and bring the community together in my, in my office space and, and yeah. become more than just a real estate shop, but a place that people want to come stop by and say hi when I'm down here in the office. So I think that's my biggest goal is, is it's not really a business goal. It's more of a, just, I want to be part of the neighborhood here now, just like I talked about for buyers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an awesome space. I've been there myself. <laughs> Thank you. Very cool. Very, very, yeah. uh, neat neighborhood and a really cool idea. Thank so, you. Um, yeah. So, um, and tell me a little bit more too about your, um, your, your sharing with me um, offline about your plans for the future, like what you and your wife <laughs> want to do. That's why I chuckled. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Before this call, that's what I was doing is looking at uh, those items. So um, my plan is uh, my mom recently passed away and um, she, she worked her whole life and never got to retire. Um, you know, died, died young for, for nowadays, in my opinion, but never got to, to retire, talked about it all the time, had the funds to do it, just always grinded a little bit longer, a little bit more. And um, I don't want to do that. Um, even before that had happened, my wife and I had kind of set a plan together at when I turned 50, which is uh, in gosh, four years, a little over four years from now, um, was to retire on a sailboat. And uh, we're going to cruise the Caribbean for a few years. And see where we end up from there. Ultimately, nice. I'd like to get over to uh, the other side of the world and get over to Thailand or, or Malaysia, you know, that, that side of the continent. But in the beginning, it's just the Caribbean. So um, yeah, my, my plan is within the next four years or less to buy a boat and uh, sail off into the sunset with my wife. <laughs> That's so awesome. What a cool thing. And it's yeah, cool that real estate... <laughs> real estate can help propel us into those kinds of dreams, um, you know, sure. than, a, than a regular nine to five job. So that's, that's really, neat. yeah. I mean, it gives you, it gives you a lot of, uh, a lot of business potential outside of just helping the transaction, right? You, you start to understand as market shifts, maybe you buy income properties. Like I know you do, there, there's so much you can do with that time. And I mean, honestly, with the world of Starlink and things, the way they're going, I may still take some of those phone calls. I'm good at it. So if I'm ported up somewhere for a month, I may have my business partner turn my phone on and say, Hey, start sending me some calls and set up my, you know, junior agents that, that work for him. Um, I love doing that stuff. I, I do that currently. I, if it's a lead that I'm too busy for, or I can't 
give the right amount of time to, I still do the same setting, the same, the goal setting, the call, the get to know them. And I explain from the beginning, hey, I'm not going to be the one showing these, these homes. I've got somebody that's perfect for you because he lives in that neighborhood or he understands that neighborhood so well. And, and I set them up for success. And, and maybe I'll write the contract because I happen to end up being really good at that. Um, my mom worked for law firms her whole life. So I guess maybe I got a little bit of it in me, but you know, you don't have to do everything. If you love the call and you love the work, I, I can do that remotely, which is also really nice about real estate. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so key. You don't have to do everything yourself. Right. A lot, a lot of people want to do it all themselves. So <laughs> that can be limiting. And I get it, it that. It can be. I get that. Um, well, what, you know, what, one more question I have for you is what, what would sure. be, if you could give someone starting in the business one pearl of wisdom or one piece of advice, what would that be? What's the most important thing? Yeah, I think ultimately it goes back to that, that call is, is make this about them, not about you, you know, actually take the time to, to look at their need and their desire, but also their why that's the most important thing is the why, because when you know that, you know, for example, you have a client that has a a son or a daughter and they're going to be starting school and they want to be in their house because that's the neighborhood that they want them to go to school at. Well, that's their why. So when things get hard, you understand how to go back to that why and say, hey, little Johnny, you know, he wants to go to this school. I know you want him to go to this school. That's why this is tough and hard, but this is why we don't give up on that dream. We keep working towards it together and we're going to get you there. But again, always make it about them, not about you. The, the money will come if you do the right work. Um, if, you're, if you're always in the best interest of your client, I promise you the money will come as long as you're not lazy and, and you do hard work but you always make it about them. The money will come. Nice. So good. So good. Well, I definitely appreciate you being a guest, Randy. It's been awesome. And your story is remarkable how you've come out of the gate so fast. And thanks again for being on. Thank you. I'm excited to see what 2023 brings for both of us. Actually, you're my guy. So it's going to be both of us that do this. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, um, thank you again for listening. Um, if you found this podcast valuable, please remember to share it with your friends in the business. That's how the word gets out. And if you, um, if, if you have time, give us a five-star review. We always appreciate that as well. And I want to remind you I'm with Intercap Lending. I believe in giving back to the agents that um, I work with. So if you'd like to talk about that, give me a call and um, have a great rest of your day. Thanks a lot, Randy. Thanks. Appreciate it, RJ.